Good morning, church family. Good morning. As we all know, Dr. Tim and his family, right now they're in Chicago on a very much needed two-week vacation. So we've got some guest speakers. Um, Deacon will be leading us in worship today, and Mary Rye will be leading us in worship next Sunday. Um, just a couple of announcements. The trustees meeting that you see in the bulletin, there's not going to be a trustees meeting today. And how about the youth, Mary? Yes, the youth advisory meeting is scheduled today. It was a busy week last week. It started off on Sunday night with a game night. And let me just say the next time we have a game night that you have to beat myself and Timmy Hall because we are the Cornhole champions. So that was... Sorry, nobody could beat us last Sunday night, so it's just us. And, that's right. And then it kicked off with the in-town mission trip, which a lot of folks work very hard in the hot sun all week, and dinner's here. And I'm going to let Christine tell you a little bit about the in-town mission trip. First, I want to thank everybody who came and volunteered. I want to thank all the uh, different groups that prepared dinners for us in the evening. Uh, we were able to help uh, around six different families uh, with needs in their homes and uh, their yards. And just all kinds of uh, work was done throughout the week. And we just had a really good week. And the weather, I know Dr. Hobbs was praying for the weather, and it either rained before or after we were supposed to be working. So it just worked out perfectly. And then we also had a group that served at Salvation Army yesterday. They served a little over 100 individuals yesterday at Salvation Army. And so that's a great uh, ministry that we have going there too. I want to mention, uh, because we've been doing so much, our funds are getting a little low. So in September, we will be having our uh, Sherway, uh, where we have the barbecue at Sherway, and we'll have the sale then. And in October, the first week of October, we'll be participating again in the Highway 60 rummage sale. We have an empty room upstairs, so if you're doing your spring-summer cleaning and you come across things you want to put in the rummage sale, you can go ahead and bring those to the church. We can store them until October. And we will be taking clothes this time because we will be having the sale indoors. So we will be taking clothing for this particular sale. So appreciate everybody. We had a great week. Thank you. We are serving a world in need. A couple more uh, opportunities to serve. Vacation Bible School, as most of you know, we partner with Presbyterian, First Christian, and St. Paul's. Bible School kicks off next Monday morning. As you leave today, there are some orange slips of paper on the table. Our church is actually in charge of preschool. And poor Kim Knight, she just finished a whole year with preschool. But she has volunteered to help with preschool for Bible school. So Bible school, if think back and think how special Bible school was, um, it's important to me because that's when Jake decided to be baptized because of Leslie Fowler, his Bible school teacher. So uh, if you don't mind picking up a couple of orange slips on the table, if you can get a couple of donations for us for Bible school and bring those back next Sunday, and we'll get those out to church. Right after church today, all the volunteers are invited to a lunch at Presbyterian Church. It starts about 1230, and we'll be having lunch and kind of getting organized for next week's Bible school. Don't forget the uh, maroon books on the end of each aisle. Please write your name down, especially if you're a visitor. Visitors, thank you so much for being here. We love our church. Our crowd's down a little bit because it's summer, but look at the things we've accomplished this week. So with that being said, Let's sign our books and let's stand up and greet each other, just like Community Baptist Church always does. Get his music off camera. 
be raining. You can't find it. Just go ahead and look off Tim's. You just look off me, Randy. No, go ahead. shake with fear, we look for a steady place to stand. In the midst of all that changes, we look for a love that endures. So God, for your holy power, each one here, 
Scripture today is 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, as did my fathers, when I remember you constantly in my prayers. As I remember your tears, I long night and day to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. Hence, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control.
Let's stand and sing our offertory, hymn number 395. We'll sing first, second, and last verse. God of grace and God of glory, on thy
God, our prayer today is one of thanks. We are grateful for this wonderful day you have given us, for the majestic uh, flowers and, and all of nature that is before us, only we have to look. We are thankful for also for the opportunity to be here and to serve and to uh, display our stewardship in a way at this time by giving back our tithes and offerings. We're grateful to be able to be a part of the mission of this church, and we're thankful. We, we would mention this morning uh, a prayer for our great friend, Vince Davis. Uh, we pray that you'll be with him as he struggles and help him as he recovers. In Christ's name, amen.
Those of you that are helping with the Vacation Bible School, I'll try to get you out by 12.30. Your lunch is with the rest of you may have to stay, but not really. You know, when I was preparing to speak, I was reminded that Rev, my dad, who pastored at IBT forever, asked me to preach. It was in the early 1970s. I was in seminary, and I was home for the summer. And he said, would you like to preach? And I said, yes, that would be a good experience for me. So I got well prepared. And being in seminary, I don't really remember the sermon, but I'm sure I quoted Paul Tillich and Emil Bruner, some of these systematic theologians. I may have even worked out a way to throw in textual criticism, hermeneutics, and eschatology. And I was all into seminary. Well, after the service, two ladies hurried down to the podium and said, Calvin, I used to change your diapers. I learned a valuable lesson then that uh, Calvin wasn't in diapers when we moved from Illinois to Kentucky. And it came to me that they not only didn't hear what I said, they didn't know who said it. So the... The power and the place of a sermon in a worship service, I've learned, depends as much on the congregant as it does the preacher. That in order for a sermon to work, we must all come together with a sense of being in the presence of the holy. And it's a little bit difficult because you know as well as I do, we're all blinded by our own light. We've got so much stuff going on with ourselves that it's very difficult to set it aside. It's hard to sit out in church and not be fidgety about the glitches and the malfunctions and the things that happened last week and the things that are about to come up next week. And it is a very difficult experience, actually, to come into the presence of God and be open and honest in the presence of the sacred. It's unfamiliar. It's uncomfortable. We know that we've been in the presence of God if we leave with a sense of awe, a sense of humility, and a sense of gratitude for all that God has done for us. Now, what I want to do this morning is to remind all of us, including myself, the gifts of the Spirit that we must rekindle if we are to continue in the faith. There was a great black preacher, Dr. D.E. King, who was at Metropolitan Baptist Church in Chicago for a number of years. And he said that a sermon should be powerful, it should be permanent, and it should be portable. He said the power comes from God, the pertinence comes from the preacher making it relevant to the people, and the portability, it ought to be simple enough they can pick it up and take it home. So I'm going to say to you now what my sermon is. Faith is not just an inheritance, but rather it's a dynamic gift from God that must be rekindled. God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and self-control. Now, Phil, you can go on to sleep. I've said what I came to say. The rest of this is just uh, uh, an expansion on that sermon. Mary pointed out that this letter was written from Paul, from a senior minister to a junior minister. It's a very powerful uh, letter in that the whole idea was that of encouragement. 
And he encouraged him first by saying, you know, I believe in you. I think you can probably get this done. That's what's in front of you. And he encouraged him by saying also that I'll remind you to remember your family heritage, where your faith come, came from. He mentioned his grandmother and his mother. And I think that it is good for us to remember that the vibrancy and the vitality of the Christian faith is very often residence in the women. In fact, it's a great place for us to recognize that's where the faith should reside because they take it better care of it than we do. If it were not for the women of the church, the Christian faith would be a historical footnote. But that's a sermon for another time. You'll have to invite me back and let me get to that. <laughs> Gifts, as you know, are given. A gift is not merited. It's not deserved. It's like mercy, grace, and forgiveness. It's not something you earn. It's just bestowed. So when Paul said that these are the gifts of the Spirit, they are a gift from God. We didn't earn them. We didn't deserve them. God simply gave them to us. And he said in the first place, God gives us the gift of courage and not timidity. Now, I don't know what you know about timidity, but I can remember very, being very timid. But this word here, so used in this passage of Scripture, is a Greek word, delios. And what it really means, it's the only place in the entire Bible that this word is used. And what it means is a dread of the future. It's a great fear of some impending event. It is what I would call anticipatory fear. It's fear of what's out there. It's fear of what comes next, what comes tomorrow. Memory is associated with the past, of course. Imagination is associated with the present. And anticipation is associated with the future. And the kind of timidity that Paul is talking about is bringing a fear of what's coming into the present, out of the future. It's reaching out there into the unknown and bringing it into the now. And that just scare the water out of you. It hadn't happened yet, but you're afraid of it. Do you know about that kind of fear? It's the final exam kind of fear. It's the test kind of fear. It's the fear of the unknown that's out there in front of us. It's fear of future embarrassment. It may be a fear of some unknown thing being disclosed. One of the illustrations I found laying around the house many years ago that Dad had, and it was from the early 20s, was about five men in the city who each of them received a cryptic telegram, and it said only this, all has been revealed. Three of them moved in the dead of night, one committed suicide, and the fifth one went to the police and confessed, hoping they would get some leniency. That there is something about being known that is threatening to all of us. But the good news, of course, is that God knows us and loves us anyway. And Paul was telling both Timothy and all Christians who followed that we need not be dreadful about the future. <laughs> that we have a, a, a gift of courage and not timidity. Well, then he goes on to say, that these gifts must be rekindled, as it's translated in the Revised Standard Version. But it also means to agitate or stir up. It means to fan into flame. All of you have been a RA, GA, Cub Scout, Girl Scout, Boy Scout, and if not, you've been rural enough to be out in the country and have a fire. And you know how it is when the fire begins to burn down and you want to rekindle it. You... You blow on the ember, and you blow the ashes away, and you reveal the red coals, and you fan them, and you bring them back into life. That's precisely what this word used in this New Testament text means. That Paul is saying we must rekindle the gifts that God has given us. And it means they're not now and forever, but like a fire, it must be tended to. I served a tour at the, as a chaplain at the Merchant Marine Academy in New York. And in great, 
Great Neck, New York, there was an Afghani restaurant. There was never many people in it, but I like to go there. And one of the cooking tools that that cook used was a piece of cardboard torn off of a cardboard box. And he used that to cook his kebabs. He'd put the kebabs on the grill, and then he would fan them with the cardboard. And he made great kebabs because it rekindled the fire and brought the heat to the appropriate level. So Paul is saying, you have these gifts. I have these gifts, but we must tend them. We must breathe life into them. We must do what it takes to keep them alive. Now, I like the freedom and responsibility embedded in this gift. These are gifts of the Spirit, gifts of our Creator, these spiritual gifts that can be ignored and allowed to die out, or they can be rekindled. And all of you have been in a cold house probably at one time or the other. And when you know you need the gift of warmth, you don't hesitate to rekindle the fire. And when you know the need for courage, when you know the need for love, when you know the need to bring some power to a life circumstance, that's when we rekindle these gifts. This word power in Greek is dunamis. Great word. The preacher talked at length about it last week, but I know you can't remember a week ago, so I'm going to tell you again. That dunamis, this power, is the word that we get the root word for dynamite and for dynamic and for everything having to do with energy and force and power. It is a gift of the Spirit that we have the power to get done what is set before us. And it literally means to be able to. That if you have this dunamis, you have this power, it's not timidity, it's the power to be able to get done what has been set before you. The very essence of life as a believer is at the core an abiding quality of courage and character. And we must recognize it's not native to us, it isn't ours, it is a gift from God that enables us to face life. This ability to cope, endure, reframe pain and misery, a disappointment and discourage as the very material of which our faith is made is a gift from God. It's important to remember that this strength for life, this energy that we have, is a gift and not our own. You know the great hymn, To God Be the Glory. Christian people remember that. Because power is a very dangerous commodity in life. It's easily abused and misused. And here Paul does a remarkable thing. He links the power that God gives us to love and self-control. Now the word for love here is that great Christian word agape. And it is the kind of love that is unique in that the Christians adopted it and it's a benevolence toward each other. And it echoes that great Old Testament word for love, hesed, which is translated steadfast love. It's the posture of God toward his people. It's unbreakable, irrevocable, steady, enduring. It's the kind of love that a parent has toward a child. It's the kind of love that we have toward that which is a part of us. So ringing through these gifts, this passage of Scripture, is the gospel truth that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is rather fear. That in the uh, New Testament we read 1 John 4.18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So this gift of love that we must rekindle enables us to live a less fearful, fretting kind of life. And all those people and events and experiences and places out there that scare us touch a place in us that we need to stir up and rekindle this gift of power and love that God has given us. Now, I really like the word for self-control. Uh, it's really kind of hard to translate, apparently, because it has been translated sober good sense. The King James Version calls it of a sound mind. 
And William Barclay said it was untranslatable, but then went on to call it the sanity of saintliness. And what he is talking about here is this business of self-control. And the root of the word is discipline. And the concept is that you become your own disciple when you use self-discipline. So basically it's got you going and coming. You may be a good disciple and a poor follower, or you may be a bad leader and a good follower, but either way, this self-discipline, this self-control is contingent on the individual managing and controlling his own self. It is that great cardinal virtue of temperance that is the line between the two vices of excess and deficiency. Aristotle said the man who exceeds in confidence is rash, and if he exceeds in fear, he's a coward. But he went on to say, Aristotle did, it is not easy task to be good, for in everything it is not easy task to find the middle. Anyone can get angry, that's easy, or give or spend money, that's easy. But to do this in the, to the right person, to the right extent, at the right time, with the right motive, in the right way, that is not for everyone. Wherefore, goodness is both rare and laudable and noble. <coughs> He's right, isn't he? It isn't easy. It isn't easy to step up and step out as your best self. It isn't easy to keep the flame of, of faith alive. Spiritual fitness is much like physical fitness. If we fail to use the gifts, we lose the gifts. All of those people that annoy you are like spiritual push-ups. Kind of like getting in shape spiritually. And there are many tests out there in this world. But Paul reminded Timothy, as he reminds us, that the Christian faith is lived out in the workplace, at the stoplight, in the line at Walmart, in our home, at work. Now, I confess to you that my gift of self-control is a bit flabby sometimes when I run into some of God's children that I have a problem with. But I'm reminded that means that I must fan the flame of self-discipline within myself. I can't go out and get every other, God's, every other child of God straightened out. I'm called. I'm tasked. My mission is to fan the flame of self-control within myself. You see, this spiritual gift of self-control is more than just a big bite out of a brownie and quit. Or other form of chocolate. That... This goes to beyond our appetites. It addresses those more and deeply bedded inclinations that we have developed through the years, those well-grooved sins with which we have become very comfortable. It is the grace to dead end a rumor. It is love to speak kindly to each other, to speak kindly to one's own self. It is the faith to believe beyond what we can see, it is the courage, the fortitude, the guts to face this day and tomorrow without a crippling, stifling fear. This gift, these gifts, this spirit of courage, power, love, and self-discipline is in our hands. It's on our hearts. It comes from our Creator. <clears throat> it is our challenge, our task, our mission, really, to rekindle it, to breathe on the embers that are within us and fan the flames and regain the life of competence that goes with faith. And that has been handed down to us not only from our ancestors, and all of us have been blessed by people who have gone before, but it is for us to take on as a personal growth opportunity. In many ways, coming to church is the ultimate self-improvement exercise. We come before God and we commit to God that we're going to be better than we are. So I encourage you, I say to myself, step out into the noonday sun this day, empowered to live and be a bit better, to be more gentle with each other and yourself, 
to walk the path of humility between the urges of excess and deficiencies that haunt you. For God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and self-control. We're going to stand and sing, I Surrender All. I'm going to suggest that we sing one verse. Debbie, can you do that? Can you, sh- you can shut down in one? Good. And then we'll have the benediction. Will you stand, please? Number 275. receive a benediction. May God bless you and keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you. And as you go, go to responsible involvement in this world. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jacob.